0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. i would just like to say wow seriously i I, that that was wow the 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 pledge drive thank you so much it was just astonishing that that um you know before we were done with the day we were done i mean we're not really done we're always uh (laughs) i'm not don't discourage any further generosity but But we met our goal, and and we're all so grateful here at Relevant Radio, and and God bless you. And again, this is a family effort. We're all in this together, and whatever good that we do, it's, it's you who do the good by your generosity and kindness. So thank you so much. Well, that said, let's pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle them in the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same spirit to have right judgment in all things, and evermore to rejoice in his comfort. Through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, let's go to the big book on the, the, you know, that, that one, the Bible. The readings today are, well, they're fascinating. Well, they always are. But these are really interesting. Uh, This is from the letter of James. Now, the letter of James, um, the reformers wanted to, well, one of the reformers wanted to take it out of the scriptures, but we kept it in because, well, we've always believed the scripture. Even his friend said, you can't take that one out. So... We've got the letter of James in which we do read at the end, so faith without works or, or faith alone, fida sola, fides sola does not save one. And uh, it just says that. But I don't want to get there today. I want to get to the very beginning of the, the text. Um, where did I put the beginning of the text? I, I, ah, there. Uh, this is amazing. Uh, uh i mean be of the opinion think suppose uh that that um that it is all joy brothers my brothers when you walk in various uh uh temptations or when you fall not walk but when you fall into various trials now he's not saying you're supposed to look for temptation uh That's not to to put yourself willingly into temptation is well that's sinful in itself it's it's near what we call the near occasion of sin and uh, you don't want to do that life will provide enough temptation so you don't have to provide your own Um, but when you fall into various trials now this is an interesting word. A perasmon is a trial, it is tempt- it is translated temptation. In the Our Father, when we say lead us not into temptation, that's the word, Perasmon. Why would God try us? And this is important to understand in this text. I mean, you know, when when you're when you're when you're going through difficulties, what St. James is saying, you should be, oh boy, this is wonderful. I'm having a rough time of it. This is great. Ah, that sounds a little odd. Well, why the word perasmon means a test why would god test you i remember um <clears throat> the 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 dear nuns would say "No, know god never never tests you and he most certainly does why does he test you he knows what's in you perhaps you've heard me say this i, I often think that the people who know me well could make a better confession for me than I could for myself, you know. People do come into the confessional and and confess the sins of their spouses, their children, their parents, their friends, <laughs> and and uh, my. You got any sins of your own? Well, n- no, you know. Bless me, Father, for I've sinned. My wife, she makes me drink. That kind of thing. I'm joking. I'm joking. I've never heard those things. But it, it is true that that um. Uh, God doesn't need to know my sins. When I go to confession, God doesn't need to know my sins. He knows them. And frankly, as a priest, I'm I'm really kind of not. I'm not a good guy. I, I'm rather selfish. I'm not that interested in your sins. Trust me. The phrase "boring is sin." Uh, that's a real a real thing. I mean, you know, I heard someone say. Um, <laughs> about original sin. There's no original sin. They're all the same. It's a joke. It's a joke. There is original sin. Uh, <clears throat> but, you know, that, that somehow when I go to confession, I think, oh, my sins are terrible. And they are. But they're not different than the temptations and the, the sins of, of most people. Uh, human beings are weak creatures. The problem is, God doesn't need to know my sins. I, the priest, don't need to know your sins. I don't want to know your sins. In confession, it's important. You don't hide sins from from the confessor. But your family, your friends, your spouse, they know your sins and will often tell you about them. (laughs) So what's the purpose of, of temptation? So that you can know your sins. This is very important. To change, you must admit you got a problem. That's the beginning of the 12 step program. You have to acknowledge you got a problem. And, you know, Father, I go to confession, same sins week after week. Why am I even bothering? Because one day you'll hear yourself and you'll realize that what you think are your little sins are genuinely sinful. And you will repent. I'll repent. So don't stop going to confession just because you're confessing the same sins with the hope. The hope is that one day you will realize your sins. That's why God allows us to enter into temptation, to be tempted, to be tested. And it's the same exact word in Greek, same exact word. He allows us to be tempted. Now, St. James will say later on that, that if a man is tested, uh, he should not say that God is, is, is doing this. No, God is allowing it. We manage to do it for ourselves. Uh, left to our own devices. As someone once said, we go straight to the small potatoes. So uh, this idea of of testing, that that, uh, God allows us to be tested, uh, and he has allowed imperfection. Now, again, this idea of imperfection in the world, the world was not made in seven days. It was made in six, and six is a very bad number. Seven is the number of perfection. Six fails at perfection. In the letter of the Romans, first Romans, I believe the eighth chapter, St. Paul says that the creation itself was subjected to futility by the one who subjected it. In other words, this is not a perfect creation. This is a world that is passing away. And in it, I am not going to achieve perfect happiness. I will only be perfectly happy when I see the face of God in heaven, God willing. So there's imperfection in this world. This world has been designed for imperfection so that I can, can see God. You know, um, oh, gosh, I'm, where, I'm not off the track. I, I think it's important to understand this. But, you know, the disciples, we love them. You know, the, 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 the 12, as we call them, 12 apostles, the 12, we love them because they're so much like us. They are weak and sinful men who God chooses. I believe that at different times in the life of the believer, sometimes many times in the life of the believer, the Lord says, if there was nothing in this for you, would you still follow me? Nothing? Nothing. Not even heaven when I die? Not even heaven when I die. Why would the Lord do that? Why would the Lord allow us to come even close to despair about these things? Well, I haven't told this story in a long time, so I'll tell it again. But, you know, you've seen the puff pieces, uh, the the 90-year-old billionaire with one foot on the the banana peel and the other foot in the grave. And he marries the 20-something starlet who clearly has had some work done. And when he he dies a few months and she they do the, the interview oh if he was the poorest man in the world i would still love him and marry him yeah right honey you know and when he dies of of overexertion and a few months later she's in a royal battle with the lawyers with the first second third fourth wife because he's left his entire estate to uh, this 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 starlet with hair as blonde as money can buy uh, and her two chihuahuas. She didn't love him. She couldn't love him. She was too poor and he was too rich. You get the point? Do you love God because he's God? Do you love Christ because he's Christ? Or do you love him for what he can give you? I I have mixed motives, God has been very good to me, and I hope He keeps being good to me. But what happens when God says no? Do you realize, in the life of Jesus, the Savior, there was a time when the Father said no. We read in the letter of the Hebrews that with loud cries, he 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 cried out to the One who could save him from death. In other words, we think of the 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 temptation in or the. Uh, 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 yeah, the, the the temptation in the garden of Gethsemane as Jesus quietly bowing his head and saying, Oh, Father, into your hands, yada, yada. It, it says with loud cries and lamentations, he, I don't want to do this. And the Father said, I want you to do it. And Jesus said, Well, that's what you want, Father. This showed who Jesus was. The father didn't need to know who Jesus was. Jesus didn't need to know who Jesus was. You know who needed to know who Jesus was? You, me, and the devil. God manifested the perfection of Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, the, 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 the temptation in the garden. This is, this is important to understand. And I believe that the disciples were tested. Remember? When they're all, oh, I'm going to have the palace, hire Herod's palace. Oh, I'm going to take Pilate's palace. I'm going to take Caiaphas's palace on the, on, the, on the main street there when the revolution comes. They were all planning a glorious future. What happened? Jesus says to the crowd, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you do not have life in you. And everybody said, this guy's not the Messiah. He's nuts. And they began to leave. And he turned to the disciples and said, will you also go? And Peter said, where would we go? You have the words of everlasting life. I believe that's the moment in which Judas said, I got to get out of this mess. And when the police offered him an opportunity, he said, I'm happy to cooperate, officer. But the others, they, they said, where would we go? You're all we got. This is the point of this reading from James. You see, God, I really believe, says to the believer, if there was nothing in this for you, would you still follow me? And if we say, no, no, I'm going to find an easier religion, Lord, then we were never following in the first place. We were never in love with Christ. We were in love with what Christ could give us or what we thought Christ could give us. Now, let's go back to the text. Um, consider it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, var- various temptations, and so when the word is fall into various trials and temptations. You know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Well, let's look and see what that is in, in, in the text here. Um, you know that the the, well, the testing of your faith works, Hippomone, which means steadfastness. There's a wonderful, wonderful gospel song by Andre Crouch. If I'd never had a problem, I'd never know how God could solve them. through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to depend upon his word. That's the point. You see, this walk of trust with with the Lord, and that's what the word is. They translate it faith, but I always tell you translate that word trust that that the, the 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 testing the oh what's a better word for testing the 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 approval of of your the genuineness of, of your of your trust is worked that the trial itself it doesn't just show it it works it god got me through that mess Philippians, the fourth chapter, a great way to pray. Uh, uh, we read uh, um, that, that uh, make your petitions known to God with thanksgiving. If you sit there and you thank God for three or four things that you thought were, it was the end and God got you through him, these things strengthen your trust in him and you enter into deeper relationship with him. That's the point of this. And then it goes on to say, but he should ask in faith, not doubting. And that word for doubting is fascinating. It's <clears throat> it's in Greek as diakriminos, which means uh, wavering or being of, uh, you know, kind of picking and choosing. Um, it means to go back and forth. Uh, well, today I'm up. Tomorrow I'm down. No, that, that don't do that. Just put all your eggs in one basket. That's what this this means. That that you put all your eggs in one basket. I'm I'm trusting God in this. One who doubts is like the wave of the sea. A man of two minds. That's literally what it means is like a wave of the sea. It seems powerful and then it breaks. Oh. So, so, just remember that song. If I'd never had a problem, I'd never know how God could solve them. So, that's uh, we go to the gospel, and same thing. The, the Pharisees said, "Prove to us that you're you have the right to say these things." Why does this generation ask for a sign? And it isn't just. I think generation here really means type of people. Why does this? We're the same generation as that generation. We are we are generated in this world of of flesh and blood, of things you can touch and see and smell, and we want something we can see, something that we can take to the bank. We don't wanna trust. We wanna know. That's what Eve did. She didn't want to trust God. She wanted to know what God knew, so she ate the apple and said, Here, Adam, you eat it now too. You wanna know no, you're not going to know. You know, in part, um, that 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 uh, so many people uh, have a tendency to. Well, the prophecy said this, and this is going to happen, and that's going to happen, that's going to happen. It's in the Bible. It's for sure, for sure. No, that's your interpretation of the Bible. Maybe maybe it'll happen that way. Maybe it won't. But it says in the Bible, well, what did Jesus say? He said, "Trust me, I'll take care of it." That's the point of this. It isn't surety in anything except that Jesus loves me. What's that old song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so? I remember hearing the story of a great theologian who was giving a lecture. He's a scientist and a theologian. And somebody asked him, in your years of study, Reverend Doctor, what have you learned? And he said, he paused and he thought, Jesus loves me, this I know. And the Bible tells me so. We want to know exactly when the Lord's coming. We want to know exactly when the three days of darkness are going to happen, if they're going to be three days of darkness. We want to know it all exactly. Now give us a time schedule, Lord, so that we can uh, uh, pack our bags. He doesn't do that. He says, in all of these difficulties, learn to trust me. That's why you have difficulties in your life, so you can choose me and trust me. Not so that you can have the perks. You'll get the perks. But trust me, I think that's what both readings are saying. And with that thought, we will take a break. We'll come back with letters. And the phones will be opened at 888 914 Again, thank you so much for your generosity in the pledge drive. It was truly an amazing pledge drive. Learn trust in God. Sickness and pain. Of if you have real estate or land you no longer need, consider the advantage of donating it to Relevant Radio. The process is easy. The tax advantages can be huge. Learn more at RelevantRadio.com property. Amen. Thank you for being a friend. You, you, ah, you're more than friends. It's you really do get that sense at Relevant Radio that I, I've said this a number of times that when I meet a Relevant Radio person from you know just somewhere it's 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 there's this connection you know that uh, so thank you God bless and thanks so much for your generosity. Oh, by the way, I wanted to mention. Um, that it's uh, Lent's coming up, you may have noticed. And in fact, it's coming up in a couple of days. And we will be doing the Lenten Lessons on the Mass again. It's a wonderful presentation that, that Father Rocky does. So uh, uh, Lenten Lessons, they really are helpful. You can you can find them by going to relevantradio.com slash what? I don't know what slash... Slash Lent Radio relevant, slash Lent. They're really good. All right, let us now go to letters. Um, this is uh, this this came in a while ago. Um, hello, I missed church on Sunday um, from an anonymous person. I missed church on Sunday for no good reason. I brought it up to my husband on Saturday, about about going Sunday and he said he wasn't going. He's not Catholic. And my child heard this and said, I'm not going either. I woke up on Sunday and thought I need to go, but I was plain lazy and didn't go because I knew it would be a hassle to get my family out the door. Am I able to receive the Eucharist on Sunday? <sighs> or do I need to go to confession first? i I'm going to say you should go to confession first. I don't know the state of your soul. Uh, your confessor would have to know that, you know, uh, um, this, uh, you know, the fact that you don't know whether or not this was a serious a mortal sin would betoken that it isn't. But on the other hand, um, I would go to confession first. Um, uh, that was what I was taught as a kid. And I think it still holds true that that um, to willingly, you know, you, you chose something, you know, don't, don't don't make your family go. They're not going to they're not going to do it. You go. Um You know, your husband's uncooperative. You you absent yourself on Sunday. And don't, you know, you've made your point known, you know, a prophet in her own home. They didn't listen to Jesus. They're not going to listen to you. But they might see something in you. So make sure you get to Mass every Sunday. And don't tell them about it. Don't invite them. Don't invite them. You've invited them. You can say, well, I'm going to Mass now. And just do it. Um there's an old song we used to sing in the in the in the old Pentecostal prayer groups though none go with me still I will follow good advice so yeah I would I would make sure you go to confession before, before uh you receive holy communion all right is it right for people to decide to be buried with a favorite piece of jewelry (laughs) i wonder about the value of these pieces being buried in the ground rather than being used for someone else's benefit (sighs) this is from adele adele what difference does it make (laughs) um you know that that if it's something um uh, i was given a cross uh uh when i was when i was in seminary that was it was a sort of we were inducted into the into the clergy and uh i was given a cross at that time i buried that with my mom um didn't help her it helped me it was a nonverbal way to say that uh you know see you soon ma uh that's what it's about and um uh, you know for people to insist, I want to be buried with this, meh. You know, I, I always tell people, I'm not intending, I'm not uh, intending to, uh, to to go to my funeral. I'm not planning to go to my funeral. Um, uh, the body is sacred; we bury it with respect. But the idea that that, um, well, I want the the coffin that doesn't leak because what if I get wet? You're not going to notice. Uh, be one should be practical about this but if putting this item in bearing it with someone if it does you good that's fine it's not going to do them any good or any harm um, uh, but it might do you some good if it's going to do you some good well that might be valid but if it's not it just understand it not going to make a difference to them um, they see the light of Christ, which is brighter than any bit of jewelry. If they have died in a state of grace, all right. That's what I think about that. Let me look here. What i doing? Time. Time doing fine. Time wise. Let's see here. Hmm. What I just. Hold on. I'm just with this. Okay. All right. Click. All right. This is from Irene. Dear Father Simon. In the Gospel Mark seven twenty four, Jesus finally does heal the daughter of the Greek lady, the Syrophoenician lady, who begs him several times. Well, let's let's go to that passage because it does seem that Jesus is being a little difficult. I mean, really, he doesn't. He says, "Can't you get rid of her to the disciples?" If I recall the story, we'll we'll pull it up. Okay, Uh, let's see here. Jesus left that place, went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it yet he could not keep his presence secret as soon as they heard about him, um, uh, um, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet and you know in, in other I'm, I'm thinking of the other versions of this story. Let me, let me, well, it seems in, in, uh, let me like, I gotta pull this up here. I just, I should have pulled this up earlier, um, but I'll get it. I'll get it. I really will. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> this is a different voice in my head. Today's what should I put in the wait music? No, I got it. I got it. All right, let me, see. Jesus left that place. Well, let's see. Okay. Uh, um, let's look at the version in Matthew. Uh, the um, uh, a Canaanite woman uh, came to him crying out. This is the version in Matthew, Matthew 15, 21. Um, and Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came and urged him, send her away. She keeps crying after us. Uh, uh, you know, Jesus seems to be ignoring her in the in the version in Matthew Um <clears throat> He answered, "I was sent only to the house of Israel. Why does he do that?" And this is this is a question that the reader's asking. And actually, I think it's 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 a really reasonable question. Um, why does he do this? Well, he is, uh, as for today's first reading, he is testing her faith. What does that mean? <sighs> I think I said this the other day, that when you want something, do you really want it? The the scripture says, he will give you the desire of your heart. But usually what you got going is the desire of your mind. The longest journey I have ever heard is from head to heart, just about 12, 13 inches, depending on where you're tall or short, but it is a long journey. And why do we have to persist in prayer sometimes? Because God wants to purify our motives. Oh, I really want a good lawn. Please, Lord, help my lawn. No crabgrass this spring. Amen. Then one of your kids gets sick. Then you know what's really important. Forget the crabgrass, Lord. Heal my daughter. You see what I mean? That we have all these shallow desires. But every once in a while, God throws something in to really make us see what is most important to us. And Jesus is in effect saying to this woman, how badly do you want this? I want it with all my heart and soul, Lord. I want it enough to come and be humiliated by you. And then he he modifies the conversation. Again, as I say, he does not call her a dog. He calls her a puppy. Jesus, I don't think, would ever call anyone a dog in that context. So that's why sometimes Jesus seems distant from us. He says, how badly do you want this? Will you persist in prayer? Or is it just about you? So I think that's what's going on here. I hope that helps, Irene. All right, let me look at the clock here. One more. Let me do one more letter. Okay, uh, this is from Dylan. And this is a tough question. Leviticus 4.3 says that if a priest sins, he brings guilt on the people. Why is a group of people considered guilty of a sin that someone else has done? This is one of the hardest questions that we ask. Make it bigger. Why? Because Adam sinned, do all his descendants share in guilt? The simple answer is that sin is an inheritance and grace is a gift sin is an inheritance and say and and uh, uh, um, grace is a gift one of the first questions that humanity asked was am I my brother's keeper and the answer is yes your sin affects me my sin affects you because you see we are in this together we are Especially as Americans, what Abraham Lincoln's father said: "When you see the smoke of your neighbor's chimney, it's time to move." And he moved a lot. We 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 believe in rugged individualism. Well, we're not rugged individuals. We are we are bound in this together, and we are responsible for the leadership of our communities. You know that that uh, um. Uh, you know my background is german and it is very painful for me to think about these things and my family left left germany when the militarization of the of the northern germans started we, in fact is uh, about a third of the town of my mother's people left because they didn't want to join the northern german army uh, the prussian army not russian prussian and over the course of the 19th century <laughs> if, if a boy turned 16 they put him on a boat and sent him to detroit that was how my great grandpa got here um but um, uh, those terrible days came of Hitler and the Nazis, and there were a very small group of people who ran the country. They ran it with fear and with, with uh, um, betrayal, and they killed untold millions of people, among them six million Jews. And when people say, oh, the Holocaust wasn't that bad, or there was no Holocaust, I get a little angry. Not a little. I get a lot upset there were 300 Jews in the town of my mother's family and three lived through the war. And they tried to find every one of them. They did a thorough world search. Um, and they only found three. That horror that, well, that wasn't the responsibility of everyone. I, I know one, one old guy. He is now, I believe with the Lord, Ludwig Dippel. He was devout when he was a kid. Uh, there was a Nazi beating up an old woman in the street in this little town. And, uh, he went and intervened and dragged the Nazi off and said, what did she ever do to you? What did she ever do to you? He was the only one I've ever heard of. And I, I guess a cousin, um, I think his name is in Yad Vashem, he hid Jews. But of the 2,000 people in town, the great majority said, well, whatever the government says is right. You see, we are responsible for our leadership. There's a saying that in a democracy, you pretty much get the government you deserve. That's chilling. So, yes, the sin of the priest uh, has to do with the people. I've often said that that, uh, that a priest is only as holy. And, of course, this is not an absolute statement. I've known some very holy priests with some very unholy congregations, and they change the congregation. But the uh, the priest is meant to change the congregation, and he does. And if you have an unholy priest either the priest will change because of the holiness of the people. And that's been my experience that the congregations I have served and the saints with whom I have lived have made me holier and better long way to go, but they have, they have sanctified me. Uh, The priest is to sanctify the people, but the people also sanctify the priest. And if, if the congregation does not take its duty to sanctity whole, uh, wholeheartedly, the priest will be bad. So, Back to the question. <laughs> That's a long time ago. Look, it is three says that if a priest sins, he brings guilt on the people. Well, the people have, I think, already brought the guilt on themselves by refusing to demand holiness of their priests. Um, we often demand busyness of our priests, but we don't demand holiness of them. Father, we'll take care of this. You go pray. You know that, I, I mean that. I've been sanctified by the people I've served much more than I've sanctified them. I really believe that um, that I, I have had the privilege to live and work with, with true saints, canonizable saints, and uh, uh, it's made all the difference. So we're in this together. That's the point. Are you your brother's keeper? Yes, even if your brother's the priest and the priest is your keeper. We're in this together. All right, that said, let us go to a break. We'll come back. Uh, with a word of the day. Oh, this is going to be a fun word of the day. And, uh, the phones are open at 888 914 9149. 888 914 9149. we'd like to thank Tammy, who is listening in Florida for donating her 2016 BMW Z4. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles, trucks, boats, and RVs by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. That's relevantradio.com slash car. I've got plenty to be thankful for. I haven't got a great big yacht to sail. This to shore, is a great song. Don't sing it at mass, but it's a great song. A wonderful article on uh, sacred music. Where was that in? Was it in crisis? I forget. Really? or, 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 or I forget which one. But really, uh, um, uh, sacred music is supposed to be sacred. <laughs> oh, that. Let's move on. All right. <clears throat> Where was I? let's go to the word of the day. Well, yesterday's readings in the gospel were, well, they were just a preacher's dream. If someone has a skin on his skin, a scab or pustule or blotch, (laughs) you don't get much preaching about that scabs, pustules and blotches, but uh, they were very important in in, in the the, Jewish understanding of leprosy, there was it had a moral value. I have I'm not going to talk about that because I don't understand it. I have worked at understanding it. I gotta call Rabbi Lazovsky again and talk more about it, but there was a moral connotation. That's but uh, I'm not going there. But I do want to go to the gospel because there is a word in the gospel which is really odd. It is in Greek embromaomai. And it appears in the New Testament five times. I think one, two, three, four, and five. Yes. And it is a very strong word. It literally means to snort with rage as a horse. You've seen a horse snorting. It's, it means to be en, enraged. Uh, uh, I snort, springing out of displeasure, anger, indignation, or antagonism. Expresses indignant displeasure with someone. What? Yes, we see it in the Gospel of Matthew in the ninth chapter, the thirtieth verse. Um, um, when Jesus, he, this is very strange. He opens the eyes of people who were blind, and Jesus, it's a sternly instructed instructed them. He's 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 reading them the riot act. Now, don't tell anyone. See to it that you don't tell anyone, and they did anyway so that's the first instance of it however it goes on um uh, we read in in uh mark the 14th chapter uh, we read it occurs again in the story of of the woman uh, who was uh, anointing jesus um, um Anointing Jesus with with perfumed oil while Jesus was in Bethany. This is Mark fourteen four. While Jesus was in Bethany, reclining at a table in the home of Simon the leper. We're back with leprosy. A woman came with an alabaster jar of expensive perfume, and poured it on Jesus' head. Some of those who were present, however, expressed their indignation. It's embremalmi that verb again. Some of those who were present were furious. Why is this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for three hundred days' wages, three hundred denarii, and the money given to the poor. I mean, they're furious with this woman, and that's in the Gospel of Mark. And then we see in, in the Gospel of John, it's used twice, and and John was there for this. Uh, we see that uh, uh, in John eleven thirty three, we see um, the. Let me pull up the, the the text here, and that that uh, Mary came. This is the the Lazarus, the, the 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 raising of Lazarus. When Mary came to Jesus and saw him, she fell at his feet. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews would come with her weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit. They translated, but he was furious. Why was he furious? Because they were busy saying, well, he he. He opened the the eyes of, of those who were blind, but he couldn't have come and saved his friend. Jesus was angry. And then we go to verse 38. Let me pull up 38, which I think Jesus is angry at death itself in this. Um, that that uh, Oh, yeah, so this is where he says, but some asked, couldn't this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept Lazarus from dying? And Jesus was furious. And Bramah, that verb again, he came to the tomb and he says, take away the stone. This is an intensely strong emotion. Now, let's go to today's text. Okay, let me pull this up. The text today is uh, he... he. Uh, okay, no, not today's text. Uh, uh, Sunday's is what I'm talking about, Sunday's reading. Let me go back to Sunday's reading. Uh, a leper came to Jesus. If you wish, you can make me clean. I do will it. Uh, and then, warning him sternly, he dismissed him at once. That's not what the text says. He says, and then furious he threw him out it's interesting saint jerome translates it more more gently but he does say he threw him out he ejected him this is what makes me think that the verb here doesn't mean he felt something deeply he was angry what was jesus angry about well you go down a little further he says go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what moses prescribed that will be proof for them I believe that the, the, the people who wanted to debunk Jesus had put this leper up to it. And Jesus was furious at the, at the abuse of this sick person. He wasn't mad at the leper. He was mad at the clergy who had sent this guy to, uh, to show that Jesus was a fake. And also, this is cleansing. It isn't just healing. That This is something that only a Levitical priest can do. And they wanted Jesus to overstep his bounds. So they, they, they were gunning for Jesus. And Jesus, he was furious. That's what the text says. Now, I get people say, well, welcome come everybody translates it differently? Because nobody wants to admit that there is a wrath in God. And there is a wrath in God. And we should be aware of that. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It isn't the end of wisdom. Love is the end of wisdom. But understand that God will not be mocked. And these people were trying to mock Jesus. Just as those people at the tomb of Lazarus, oh, he could have come and healed him. Jesus was furious with them. You see that, that, that good and gentle Jesus? Don't forget, he did make a whip and drive the money changers from the temple. That and I'm not saying that means I can get mad or you can get mad. I'm not Jesus. I am not the perfect human being and the son of God, except by adoption. And I'm a very imperfect person. And uh, when Jesus became angry, it was for the good of people. When I become angry, it's because I'm angry. So don't don't use this as a justification for self-righteous anger. But the point is, God will not be mocked. All right, let's go to phone calls. This is Smart. Maxwell Smart. Anita from Las Vegas, Nevada. What can I do for you? Father, I need counsel. Yeah. I need serious cancer. I am I am recovering and into seven months of recovering from a stroke. I uh, have four I have um what do they call that? Uh stage four of lung cancer. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm doing well. I'm beginning I'm becoming very scared and nervous. I sure. love Jesus. Huh? I trust I trust in him, but I thought I'd be scared, so I need some counsel. You know, I'm I'm in the same boat as you. Um that that uh, I stum my toe and I'm sure it's fatal. Um you have a real situation. And and but I think you have to understand that that it was for this that you were born. Um that that this is an imperfect world. I, I wish you know, I wish I, I could give you counsel, but uh, I would suggest, you know, do you know much about the Shroud of Turin? Yes. Well, I, I do know how I much would, I know, I know of it. Well, I would start studying the Shroud of Turin. <laughs> Seriously, go to YouTube, find videos about the Shroud of Turin. It seems to be what it claims to be, and it isn't simply uh, a photograph of Christ crucified, It seems to be an image made when his body exploded into light. It's a picture of the resurrection. And when I think about my own mortality, which is not far away, I'm not a young man, when I think about my own mortality, that's a place I go to, to remember that Jesus really did rise from the dead, and that changes everything. That would be my best advice to you, and I will be praying for you, Anita. God bless you, and and, uh, we'll all be praying for you. God bless you. The Shroud of Turin. Read about it, and uh, and you know, in videos on YouTube, that kind of thing. And uh, there are all sorts of people who say, "Oh, it's a fake." It's not a fake. It's the real thing. Fact is, uh, one of the most interesting, the the person who really contributed to to discrediting the carbon-14 test. There were carbon-14 tests that said it was a medieval fraud, and it turns out that they didn't test the, the Shroud of Turin. They tested a patch on it. Um, and they've since done other tests that seem to indicate it comes from the first century. But the fellow who, who was didn't believe in miracles at all, he was a scientist, a chemist, and uh, he was dying of cancer when he did this, Ray Rogers. If you can find Ray Rogers' interview, that might be a blessing to you because he was facing his own death. And, and uh, he was furious that some people who weren't professional scientists had decided this was a patch that was tested. And he said to uh, Barry Schwartz, uh, who was a photographer on the project, whom I had the privilege of speaking for an hour, great man, um, Said to Barry Schwartz, "This is these people are nuts. I can dis- I have a piece of the the thread from the shroud. I can disprove them in a minute." And Barry Schwartz said, "Well, disprove them," and he put his 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 threads of, from the shroud of Turin. He'd been at the original investigation. He put the threads under a microscope, and they were right. Binford and Marina were right. It was a patch, and this guy was facing his own death as as he discovered this. So um um. Ray Rogers, uh, Shroud of Turin, you can see his interview on YouTube. I would go to that, and then uh, when I, seriously, when I think about my own mortality, I I have found the Shroud of Turin a powerful reminder of the physical truth of the resurrection. So God bless you, Anita. We will be praying for you. All right. Let's go to Margaret, who's calling in from Chicago. Margaret, how can I help you? Hi, Father. In the Old Testament, God seems to be black and white there's there's no shrinking i mean uh, even to the point where some guy was struck dead because he picked up sticks on on the sabbath but when it came to divorce he kind of was for lack of a better word squishy um he jesus came along and said no 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 god told moses it was okay because of you people and basically because you're just terrible people so he lets you have this one. Why did <laughs> Yes, Matthew 19:8. <laughs> yes, because I mean, of the I mean, hardness I mean, of your I mean, heart. Character. Yeah. <laughs> Moses permitted I mean. you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. There was not this way from the beginning. The uh, the 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 instances where God seems to be extremely picky about certain things is because he was trying to reshape israel in a, in a in a new sense of religion i mean religion folk religion is not about morality and not about the majesty of god it's about getting the gods to do what i want and the the israelites were chosen for a very special task to to uh, to bring a new sense, uh, of, of the sovereignty of God of morality to the practice of, of true religion. Well, then why didn't he do that about divorce? Because in the ancient world, you see in the garden of Eden, we were in a state of perfection. We fell from perfection and as much as he could, God drew us forward slowly. And the, the, uh, the ancient world didn't practice divorce. They, Practiced polygamy; they would have as many wives as they wanted, and and uh, treated them like slaves. So this prohibition against divorce and the concept that that uh, Jesus said it was not that way in, in at first that a man and a woman the two became one flesh. Monogamy and no divorce were what human beings were created for, and God. Like a good fisherman, drew the line in slowly. Um, God knows us better than we know ourselves, and um, thus He was very strict about some things and not as strict about this. Uh, he knew his his He knew his 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 children and what they could and could not take, but uh, the the um, uh, the absolute sexual license of the ancient world uh, it took a bit more work. That's how I look at it. So I, I don't know if, if that makes sense to you, but the idea, if you look at each case of God smiting someone, it was for perfectly good reason. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I hope that helps a little. It, it's, it's probably not going to answer your question, but I think that's what God was doing. I got one, just one more minute. Let's go to Elizabeth. Elizabeth, real quickly, what can I do for you? Hello, Doctor. doctor. I'm calling you, Uh, Doctor Simon, because I'm calling because. um, Well, first, I want to comment. I want to pray for the person who. Well, this you can't do that because there's music in my head, and we're going to go. Jesus told us not to worry. That's good advice. Call in tomorrow, and we'll try to answer your question. Drew's coming up, and he's a lot clearer on these things than I am.